0: Hello everyone, this is Kira Oliver with another episode of You. Want to live happy and free? Create you, your own utopia. By learning how to think differently, it will change your life in ways you've never imagined. This is for you if you truly want to live a lifestyle that feels good. thank you so much for coming to this podcast yet again the you podcast your own utopia that's what we're trying to create here for you we have a really special guest today andrew schultz is an international yoga and meditation teacher mindfulness and transformational coach podcast host and speaker Andrew hosts the podcast Positive Impact with Andrew Schultz. You must go listen. It's one of the fastest growing podcasts being downloaded in over 47 countries worldwide. I'm going to let him tell you more about that in a little bit. But I do want to go ahead and kind of jump in, Andrew. Things were as always this way with you. You weren't always practicing mindfulness and spirituality and wellness and all of these things. And I wanna unpack that, but first of all, welcome.
1: Thank you, Kyra. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be here with you today and to be joining your audience. And um, it means a lot that uh, you invited me on, so thank you.
0: Well, thank you. And uh, we talked a little bit before, we have a similar mission of wanting to help other people through our stories. You were born in Nebraska and somehow ended up in California. You were a standout three-time all-conference NCAA baseball player and an accomplished corporate vice president, wearing suits, no doubt. Mm -hmm. You had it all going for you, but something happened. Can you tell us that story?
1: Well, um, on April 30th, 2015, I remember I was in the back of a truck um we left san diego we were going somewhere i wasn't sure where and i was laying in the back seat of this truck it was me and my dog ralphie the most important thing in my life a nine-year-old english bulldog and there was a guy who i didn't know driving the car and little did i know at 2 30 in the morning i was being admitted to betty ford center up in uh, rancho mirage up in the desert and the guy who was driving the truck was the guy who did the intervention um my family had hired him to do an intervention um, to help save my life because I was, my life was uh, dwindling and was, I was hitting rock bottom with drugs and alcohol. And uh, my family was worried that if I didn't get help, I was gonna be dead soon. And that changed my life forever. And that was almost five years ago. And like, how did I get to that point? You know, just a couple of years earlier, I was, vice president of one of the biggest corporations in north america the corner office you know i had um, i had the title i had the expense account i was flying first class all over the country because of my job position my my title people wanted my attention and um you know playing golf at the nicest golf courses and really expensive wine you know i had everything internally but internally i had uh uh the whole in the middle of my soul that I knew I I was never comfortable in my own skin. And I was always trying to be the person that people I thought wanted me to be. And, you know, I didn't have the tools, like you mentioned earlier, of mindfulness and meditation and, you know, spirituality, the practices that I have now I didn't have back then. And so when, when life got stressful, I didn't have the tools to help cope, which is why I turned to drugs and alcohol and drugs and alcohol worked until they stopped working. And, um, on April 15th, 2015, uh, or April 30th, 2015, my family did the intervention and everything changed. And I remember on the first day of treatment, they said, you want the good news or bad news. I said, give me the good news. They said, well, you only have to change one thing. I said, well, what's the bad news? They said, it's everything. Mm -hmm. And I knew at that moment, my life was going to be changed forever. And it was the most scared I ever was. And, um, I never want to forget that feeling, and um, that's when everything changed.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because one of my questions is what what is the scariest or was maybe I should say moment of your life? I think like you have answered that.
1: Yeah, because like I didn't know what the future. I, I didn't for for my whole life. I I had drugs and alcohol. I had that was how I coped ever since I was 12 years old. 12 to 36 years old, you know, for 24 years, I had that to rely on. I knew what I was going to get every time I drank or used drugs. And the drugs weren't prevalent until later in life towards the last couple of years when my downward spiral and, and the chaos got really bad. But I always, I always knew what I was going to get with, with alcohol. I knew when I started drinking, I knew the effect that it would have. And like it sounds strange, but I I could always rely on that effect of alcohol to help me not feel the feelings to push down and suppress and to avoid. And that's how I felt better. I just turned to alcohol. And that's why it was so scary five years ago because I didn't have that coping mechanism the coping mechanism of alcohol to turn to. And that's why I was so scared. I didn't know what the future held and I knew everything was gonna be different. I didn't know how, I didn't know how I was gonna get through it because I always thought I can't imagine my life without alcohol or drugs to cope. It just wasn't fathomable. Yeah. And here I was on day one, like, oh my God, everything changed.
0: Wow, so since 12 years old there, yeah. I mean, obviously there's, that's probably a whole nother story, but there's a lot been going on in terms of maybe trying to be the best at, at that early age. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there was,
1: there was, that's why sports was so prevalent in my life. You know, that was my escape. That was how I won the affection and love, or I thought if I succeed on the baseball field, on the football field, on the basketball court, I would win my family's love. My dad, I would get his love and support, Mm -hmm. um, performance-based love, uh, at, at 12 years old, you know, um, at 10 years old, um, my family, dynamic was, you know, my parents got divorced at a very young age and there was infidelity on both sides. And there was some secrets that I kept that uh, I stuffed and pushed down that um, sports was my outlet. That's how I coped with things in life. And I was really good at it. And um, I knew if I did well on the sports fields, I could get my family's love. And i because my parents were not together and there was, you know, they were separated. If I did good on the sports field, everything would work out. That was my thinking. And so I was, um, that was my, the one area in my life that I was comfortable where I could just let everything go and be the best. And, uh, there was no worries. And then, um, but that's also when, um, you know, I started drinking at a very young age and um, I didn't want to, f- I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. So I was always looking for something to help not feel the way I was feeling And sports and alcohol and women. Um, those are the things that I turned to, to avoid what was really going on inside.
0: And then take us from sports to, I guess, your career, like at that time, well, how did that transition?
1: Well, um, I, 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 my goal growing up was I wanted to play professional baseball and you know after college i tried playing professional baseball and it didn't work out i realized real quick that there's a lot of good players out there and um i remember my mom saying it's time for the real world (laughs) and this is in nebraska and um and i remember i wanted something more i I, you know in the midwest the mentality is you you get married you have the white picket fence you settle down and you marry your high school sweetheart or college sweetheart and you work for the family business and I wanted something different. So I packed up my stuff and moved out to California. Uh, It was August 16th, 2002. I still remember the day I moved into Pacific beach. And I remember, you know, I I was, I thought I was Mr. Tough guy. I was going to take, take on the world and, you know, start my career. Um, And I remember sitting on the curb in Pacific beach on August 16th, 2002 the first day I lived in San Diego and I sat on the corner and started crying. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just moved halfway across the country. What am I doing? It hit me that my life had changed. I just made a really big move that um, it was one of the best decisions I ever made because it forced me to sink or swim, to build this new entity, this new career, because I didn't have sports anymore. And so I needed to do jump into the corporate world and to start working. And it really forced me to get out of myself and to meet new people and get connected. And um, that's when my career took off and you know my first job was enterprise rent a car and i did that for a year and they hire really good people a lot of college athletes and i have some really good friends still that i work with that was my first real job and you have to wear a dress shirt and a tie and you enterprise the thing that people don't realize is you wash the car yourself a lot of times and i remember i had my favorite tie on i'd been working for the company for 11 months I was cleaning the car. I got my tie caught up in the vacuum (laughs) twice. And I was like, after the second time, I was like, you know what? Life's too short. I got to do something else. And, um, I found another job, a friend of a friend, put me in touch with uh, another job that I stayed with for 11 years. And that's the corporate job that I worked my way up, uh, into the, you know, being the vice president at one of the biggest corporations in North America. And I worked my way up and, um, it was a great ride. You know, I have no regrets. And I took the passion and drive and the hard work that my family instilled in me, the Midwestern values, and I put those into my, my corporate job and my, my work and my career. And I think that was why I was so successful because I was all in and I only knew one speed and that's, you know, go, go, go. And I took, I replaced sports with the corporate world and um, probably too much because I didn't have the healthy outlets Um, and you know, it worked until it didn't. And then after about 11 or 12 years, uh, at that corporate job, um, the stress um, started piling up my job responsibilities. um, The stress just got to me and I didn't know how to handle it. And that's when um, my drug and alcohol use really spiraled out of control. Um, There were some other things that were going on in my personal life uh, with a a marriage that didn't last very long and a divorce, getting fired from that corporate job, which was well deserved, you know, and since then I've I've been able to make amends with my boss who fired me, which has been so therapeutic and healing. But um, there was a period from getting fired in 2012 to 2015, there's three years that my behavior, my selfishness, and self-centered behavior, erratic behavior, um, it almost cost me my life. And I was hanging around bad people and putting myself in compromising situations that um, by the grace of God and the love of my family, they didn't give up on me and they got me help um, when I needed it the most. And it's just, um, it's its a miracle that I'm here. And a lot of people don't know my dad's been sober for 10 years as well Uh, we did an intervention for him on christmas morning 2009 in nebraska and he was the first one in our family to get sober and so he really helped transform the trajectory of our family legacy if he wouldn't have got sober and said yes there's no way i would have but how could i not after seeing what he did and Mm -hmm. leading by example and um and so now my father and i have this loving relationship that we're closer now than ever before there's healing on my mom and my dad's side, they get along now. And the cool thing is every day that I stay sober and just the living amends that I'm able to make how I live my life, everybody else around me, my relationships get better.
0: Yeah, 100%. I I love that. I know one of the things for me is I'm a lifetime student and I didn't always think this way. And I love that I think this way now. And I even had someone question my authenticity recently because they couldn't understand how I could consistently be joyful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it doesn't mean there's not stuff that doesn't happen. I mean, things happen, but I worked super hard. And, you know, cause I went from, I, I don't know how much you are aware, but I lost my son when he was four and a half months old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that um, also caused my marriage to, to break up. So he would be 18, it's crazy. But from that, I turned to sports, which was running. Had no idea I was a runner. And qualified for Boston with my first marathon. But the point being is that I went through this period of super darkness where I thought joy was not gonna be part of me. Like, that's just not me. That's not the life I'm going to have. And then I realized that that was fear. And that that was you know those there were voices that were talking to me and trying to convince me of that mm. you know and i imagine you went through wow. a lot of similar things
1: you know I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because and i still get emotional i think it's because I, I suppressed and pushed down my feelings for so long you know from 12 to 36 and they say you know when you start drinking and using drugs when you start using, that's when you're cut off emotionally. So emotionally, when I, you know, I'm very young emotionally because I was using drugs and alcohol for such a long period of my life that, um, you know, I feel all my emotions now that I'm sober for the last five years. But five years ago, I was in my apartment, the blinds were drawn. I had food boxes, fast food boxes, pizza boxes in the kitchen stacked up. I was laying in bed for days at a time. I was taking sleeping pills. I didn't want to kill myself, but I didn't want to feel the way I was feeling. And it's in that middle ground of it's, I don't wish that upon anybody that feeling because it's just, it's hell. And I'd given up hope. I was in despair. I, I, I didn't know how, I was gonna live, I I didn't want to live because I didn't want to feel the way I was feeling. And that's why I was taking sleeping pills for days at a time, because I didn't want to feel it. And um, I was in the darkness, there was no light, literally, there was no light. Um, And I just look back on it now that I'm so grateful that I'm where I am now because now I get to use my mess as my message. My test is my now, now it's my testimony. my greatest wound is now my an access point for healing that I can share with others because everybody's going through something in life, especially with this COVID-19. Everybody's going through something, whether it's, um, you know, if it's financial, if it's a job, a divorce, health, we're all dealing with something. And, you know, the drugs and alcohol I realized um, when I went to treatment, it was just a symptom. That wasn't the problem. That was a symptom of a problem that was much deeper that were There was unresolved wounds and healing that needed to happen that I was using drugs and alcohol to cover up, just like people use relationships and gambling and, you know, uh, overwork, excessive work. Um, Those are coping things to deal with something much deeper. And um, I'm just so grateful that I got a chance to go to treatment to to get well um, and to start this new life. And now my my purpose in life is to help have a positive impact on others. Use my story to help others to bring hope that no matter what people are going through, we can get through it no matter what you're going through in life. And, um, it's such a beautiful gift that, um, you know, my purpose to be able to do that now. And, uh, you know, hearing your story, you know, to be in the darkness, to now to be in the light, um, it's it's a gift.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is, you know, after realizing, look, I'm not gonna believe this. I have to stop believing this because that's what was happening is that belief was really getting deep into my heart and soul. Or I wasn't able to maybe pull out my heart and soul because of that belief. And I started just working super hard and learning and learning and believing. And the next thing you know, I'm like, oh, wow so awesome because it's a choice and I'm, I'm just digging that, you know, and, and so that's why I wrote a small book. It's a super quick read and hopefully the first of many, because I was like, you know, I have to share this because there's so many people, like you say, that are going through things and they don't think that there is a, a different mindset and a way of handling life. Mm,
1: for sure. And, you know, I just read, um, reread Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. And for the audience doesn't know, he was a World War II Holocaust survivor. He saw he was in the concentration camps and he saw the worst human atrocities known to man. And you know, most of the people around him died. And um, you know, in the book he talks about the one thing one of the things that got him through. Those three years in the concentration camp was his belief that his life had meaning because he was going to write a manuscript and a book to publish to the world and to share his experience. And that meaning to his life gave him purpose. And that's what helped him persevere and keep that attitude of his life is worth something more versus the people who gave up that hope. And he says, you know, no matter what happens in the world, there's one human freedom that nobody can take no matter what, no matter what's happening externally, and that is the human freedom to choose our attitude in any given moment.
0: Yes, absolutely. And that goes back to that authenticity that someone was questioning, and it's like, oh, you know, I, I just want to share with you that I would welcome you or whomever feels that way to get to know me. Mm-hmm. You know because I, I, I know it's hard to believe that you can and again it's not perfect there are there are moments but because of this choice I'm able to deal with those moments in such a different way
1: yeah.
0: It's it's just such a blessing I'm, I'm so so let's go back a little bit if you if you don't mind and so you're um, you're sleeping a lot I guess somewhere in there is when this intervention happened and you, you go to rehab. How long were you there?
1: Um, I was there for, I went to inpatient for 30 days and then I was transferred to residential day treatment for another 60 days. And then I did internet um, intentional outpatient IOP for another couple months. Um, And then I moved into a sober living house. So that journey from day one to when I finally got my own apartment was nine months. And that's how important it was to lay a new foundation for my life. Um, And I'm so grateful and blessed that my family had the resources to help me. You know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a job. I, I didn't have a lot going for me. I wasn't on a winning streak at that point. You know, I lost everything. Um, I had a lot of money in my checking account at one point. Um, because of that corporate job, I cashed out my 401k. My thinking wasn't good, even though my CPA said, you know, Uncle Sam's gonna take 50% of that. And I just, I didn't care. And I lost a lot of money and um, I lost everything. The relationships in my life that were important, I lost them, you know, um, self-respect, self-esteem. It was just rock bottom. And by the grace of God and you know, my family, Gave me the resources to rebuild my life. And I literally rebuilt my life from my yoga mat up because I lost everything else, but I had a yoga mat and I started doing yoga. And this is like
0: in rehab, in the facility? Yep,
1: yep. literally. I had a yoga mat and I rebuilt my life one day at a time on that mat because I had nothing else. And when I stepped on my yoga mat, I couldn't run, I couldn't hide, I, I was stuck with myself for 60 minutes one breath at a time and that's why i love yoga so much is it forces us to look in at ourself um and i started doing yoga and like you know they say our issues are in our tissues to breathe into the tension what gets in the way is the way um what we resist persists all these things I heard from the yoga people the yoga community and it just made so much sense because one breath at a time, I was forced to just breathe into whatever was going on and I started to heal and I started to sit in these uh, small groups, the support groups, and talk about my feelings for the first time. I went back and um, started to heal the wounds from the past that were unresolved and there was a lot of them and just one at a time I started to heal and open up and share and i for the first time in my life, I knew who I was and I knew why I was the way I was. And there was, I can't underestimate, I can't overstate how valuable that is because I, I thought I was flawed and defected. I thought there was something wrong with me, but I was able to trace back behaviors based on what I went through as a child and growing up in, in my house that I was like, that's why I am the way I am. And things started to make sense. And then until I become aware of it, I can't change it. And so that awareness allowed me to, you know, start to improve and work through the things and make amends with the people that I hurt in the past. And, you know, I'm very involved with 12 step work in Alcoholics Anonymous and, um, you know, I'm still very, very involved in that. And so those 12 steps that designed for living really helped me um, get unstuck and it gave me the freedom that I have today, but there was a lot of work, And I I love to hear you say that, you know, you put in a lot of work still, I'm sure. And every day, you know, the daily mindfulness practices, you know, the prayer and the meditation. I think a lot of people, for me, prayer and meditation, it's a two-way conversation with God. You know, when I pray, I talk to God. And when I meditate, I listen. And that two way conversation, you know if I don't take that time to listen, that's when the discernment and the intuition and the answers really come in my spirit because God for me sits right here he's he's in here, yeah, and he talks to me when I listen when I quiet myself mm-hmm. and that prayer and meditation first thing I do every morning, the gratitude list that I started doing you know I have all my coaching clients do the gratitude list because where our attention goes, energy flows. So when I focus on things to be grateful for, I draw in more gratitude and more people in my life who can help me get to where I wanna go. And it's that reticular activation system in our brain that it's like when you get the new car, You're on the freeway, you're driving your new car, you look around, all you see is the same car that you have. Those (laughs) cars were there the whole time, but your awareness wasn't on those cars. Same thing happens for our gratitude. When we focus on things to be grateful for, we see more gratitude in our life. And um, small hinges swing big doors, and I started doing the work every day. And these new neural pathways, these new healthy, positive habits that I – i started doing five years ago when i first got sober i still do them today and that's why i'm able to you know vibrate high and shine bright and be filled with joy and love and peace because of the work that i know you do as well that um behind the scenes there's a lot that goes into it every morning and um but it, it gives me that freedom that i uh i can i can help more people um and that wasn't the case five years ago before i got sober
0: Yeah, and I think that's a a good point you bring up that we have to remember is that I I focus on this a lot or try to make sure I don't forget it, is that I want to help more people. Well, I can't do that if I don't take good care of myself and practice these things. Mm. It's super important. And that is how I'm able to help more and share more and be vulnerable You know, with that. And that kind of leads me to the... I think you have a statement that you've made. You believe that things happen for you, not to you.
1: Yes. Yes. I think life happens for us, not to us. And I believe that, um, you know, I think was a Tony, Tony Robbins, I think he's the one where I heard that. So I can't take credit for it. Um, but life happens for us. Like everything in my life, as I look back, I have not one regret. Everything has happened for me, the evolution to get to the next chapter for something much bigger and greater. And, and as I step back in the moment, it doesn't feel like that. But every time, if I look back on the trajectory of my life in a timeline, everything that has happened, I'm so grateful that it has, because it got me to where I am today. And yeah. to, to be able to have the positive impact that I'm having, um, I had to go through, you know, what gets in the way is the way we have we get we get to go through it and get, get um,
0: to i always say that when i'm like teaching classes or whatever it's like to. we get to do this
1: yeah and like for so long i avoided it and instead of just breathing into it walking through it um life happens for us not to us and um you know vulnerability i love that you bring that up and talk about vulnerability and authenticity because um people are drawn to that, that realness, you know? Um, And I think, you know, Brene Brown, I know you're a big fan of her. Uh, We both share her as somebody that we look up to. And I just, I I just love Brene Brown, everything, her books, but, you know, everything happens for us, not to us, especially, you know, COVID-19. There's opportunities in everything we do. Opportunity right now to just, reflect spend more time with family to work on the passion project to i appreciate going outside in nature and going for a yep. walk so much more and i took it for granted and i live right by the beach yep, and, but there's opportunity in everything and it goes back to victor frankel's quote there's an opportunity to choose our attitude in any given moment and i choose to believe everything happens for us not to us
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough one for me for a long time because, you know, I lost my four and a half month old Mm. baby, you know, to sudden infant death syndrome, but I started a foundation in his honor. I had people coming to me saying, if you weren't talking about this, I wouldn't know about safety measures that I could take for my child. Mm. And I'm like, okay. You know, Mm. if I help one person, that's, that's enough. I think I helped a lot more than that, but you know, and and there were a lot of other things that happened too, like a, Said with my marriage, my mom, I lost my mom, my grandma, a lot of things happened in like seven, a very short period of time. Mm. And that's when I moved out to San Diego and then things got even tougher because I, I drove cross cross country alone and I thought I was going to be upset about it. I wasn't, but when I got here, things did get tough. And that's when my real work started happening because I was covering up a lot of my pain with running. Mm. And I, you know, to the point where I would get, stress fractures all the time because I had to run hard all the time because I found Mm -hmm. out I was a fast runner. So I'm like, oh, I got to do it this way. And yeah, it kind of got a hold of me um, over time. But I want to move a little bit to then with all this that you've said, which is amazing. How does, and I cannot wait to hear how you're going to answer this, because I'm not sure how I would answer it, but how does someone find their purpose in life?
1: Oh, boy. One of the things I have my coaching clients do is um, a values exercise, you know, to write out, you know, what are the, maybe the audience could do it. Um, A values exercise is to take a, everything in life comes down to, you know, four buckets. There's spirituality, there's relationships, health and fitness, and then career, work, finances. So those four areas of life, everything usually comes into one of those buckets of life. So what I do with my coaching clients is I tell them to take out a pen and write down four numbers, one, two, three, four, for spirituality, write out the four to five top values that you associate with spirituality. And then to do the same for relationships, the same for work and finances, the same for health and fitness. For example, work and finances, um, one of the values that I associate for work and finances and career is freedom. I used, I was in the corporate world. I didn't have freedom and I was making a lot of money, but I didn't have freedom. And so the value of freedom is the most important in everything I do with my work career and finances. And that's why, you know, I'm a yoga teacher and a life coach because I have so much freedom. I might not make as much money as other people, but I have the freedom. And that's why that value is so important. So the values exercise to associate to each area of our life is a great way to get started, just for people to understand what is the most important thing to them in every area of their life. And I think going through and seeing, you know, 12 to 16 different values, and then circling the, top four values of those 16, I think it's a great exercise to get people in tune with what is most important. Because I think a lot of people, especially with COVID-19, people are seeing that what they're doing for work, where work is where we spend the majority of our time. They're doing things that don't fill them up and don't bring them purpose.
0: Right.
1: And people, this is the opportunity with COVID-19 that I think it's given people an opportunity and the awareness of holy smokes, I'm spending 40 to 80 hours a week at a job that doesn't bring me purpose, it doesn't make me happy, and they're seeing that maybe I could be doing something else. And so the values exercise of just becoming aware of what is most important, to see what is most important versus where they're spending the most time and energy, to see that disconnect is a great first step. And then they can start to apply those values in journaling about where they can spend their time using those values that bring their life most of most of uh, highest purpose.
0: Absolutely. No, I, I love that. Makes that makes sense? Yeah, totally. No, it totally does. But I think you do have to, I encourage similar exercises. Like you've got to think about it a little bit, you know, and putting things down on paper, which I do find this to be true. I can't remember what university uh, claims this study, but you're 42% more likely to accomplish things if you actually write them down. When I do motivational speaking, public speaking, I actually handwrite my speech at least one time. Mm. I may change it a lot from that moment, but I handwrite it at least one time because I, I'm able to remember, I don't memorize my speeches. I tell stories mm. and that's what works. But anyway, point being that writing it down helps me accomplish that. Writing our goals down or You know, whatever it is, whether it's personal, professional, both, I think it truly does help. And I was listening to someone this morning in the Rise Up Challenge. I don't know if you've been checking any of that out, but um, they were talking about, you know, um, just the importance of purpose and what you just said. Like, you'll go to a job that you hate and you'll dedicate. I mean, you'll be there on time. You do everything right, but you hate it. Mm. Yet you'll have this other thing that you love but you're not consistent with it. You're not putting the time in or you're not really committed to it. It's more, I guess, a hobby and there's nothing wrong with hobbies either, but you know, if you're wanting it to be more of your purpose, then that consistency and planning is super important.
1: Yeah. And I think putting pen to paper, that's why that values exercise is so important and so valuable because you get to see, you know, on paper like when you write it down you can't lie to yourself you you know be care be careful what you wish for because when you write it down you're going to be forced to if it's uncomfortable and there's friction in that values exercise then what are you going to do about it if 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 you want to find your purpose there's you can develop a a roadmap to you know to find that purpose but you know for me even when i do the exercise there's friction sometimes and um Mm -hmm. but you know that, that's why it works, that's why it's effective because you can see on paper very plainly and simply where there's a disconnect. If I'm spending 80 hours at a job that doesn't bring me freedom and purpose, that's gonna be really uncomfortable and that's the whole point of the exercise.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I wanna point out something else about freedom. It's, it's not entirely related, but I think when we write these things down, we do discover a lot. And I found out that so much freedom was found in forgiving. So things that you've held on to, and you probably felt a lot of that when you were kind of going back in time and kind of figuring some stuff out. Did that happen to you?
1: Oh my gosh. Making amends is, you know, one of the biggest, that's where the magic happens, in the 12 steps, um, in the fellowship, getting to make right the wrongs of my past. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, reaching out to my bosses who fired me rightfully. So, you know, I've reached out to both of them, both of them, and just cleared my side of the street and made right the wrongs. And there's so much healing in that. And, um, I'm so glad you brought up, you know, forgiveness and, you know, forgiving myself first and foremost, because in the meditation that we'll do at the end of our time together is a. Um, it's a loving kindness meditation from the Buddhism. Um, It's it's a Buddhist meditation. And that's why I love it because we always give that compassion to ourselves first because we can't give compassion and love to other people unless we give it to ourselves first. And so that self-forgiveness is part of that. And I had to forgive myself first and not beat myself up for everything that I had done in my life. And it's so important that we give that, forgiveness to ourself first. And, um, I heard a lot of people and there's just so much healing in getting the opportunity to make right the relationships, you know, friends and family. Um, <clears throat> I'll never be able to pay, repay my family financially, But what I I can do is every day my living amends of how I live my life, how I show up in the world, be of service to help others, um, to do the right thing, to have a positive impact. That's how I make right the wrongs of my past with with people in my life who I can't repay financially. And as I continue to do that, all these relationships keep getting better. The love and the compassion and the richness, um, you know, telling my dad on the phone that I love him. I, I I love talking to my dad on the phone. I talk to him three days a week, four days a week. I just got him an iPhone so we can do FaceTime together.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: And so that. like, ah, uh, just, and that wasn't the case in the past. And now it is and the, the the healing of forgiveness and, you know, drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That's resentment. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. You reminded me of my dad uh, a little bit, and there were some things in the past that were really difficult, and I've forgiven him. He's, I love him, and, and he's still living today. I don't think he listens to my podcast. This will be the one he listens to when I actually talk about him, but mm-hmm. I love him dearly, and he loves me, but there were some things that were really hurtful, and it took me so long to realize that and to finally put a stop to it by forgiving him. But it wasn't, I, I never told him because he doesn't understand it. He doesn't even see it. So I think there's situations like that too, where you know, it's, it's not like I'm gonna forgive you and, and to your face and it's all gonna be like, that can happen and when it can, by all means. But with him, he, if he doesn't see really what it was, it's mm-hmm. probably not gonna make as much of a difference. It was more about me at that point. And so I, upon forgiving him, oh my gosh, that just like changed my life in so many ways. It's just beautiful.
1: That is. And I want to say real quick that, you know, there's, I just had a good learning moment on Sunday. Um, somebody I care really deeply about. I hurt recently. Um, and, you know, it, it, it stemmed from me, um, Assuming, making an assumption, it was uh, my girlfriend, and making the assumption that I was um, that I was stepping on her toes. That you know, I was that she needed more space. I made this assumption that I was um, imposing, if you will. And it was two weeks ago. And what happens was, I start to um, withdraw because I made that assumption. She withdraws because I'm withdrawing. And it was all based on a wrong assumption of something that I brought from the past into the present because our past conditioning, our past relationships that we bring in sometimes unknowingly, I'll speak for me, that I brought in unknowingly. And on Sunday, um, we, we had an opportunity to FaceTime together and there was, I cried a lot. I was able to apologize and, um, but it stemmed from me making an assumption, not communicating in a loving way, not sharing my truth, just making that assumption, bringing something from the past into the present and the impact it had, um, it, it wasn't fun. It was, it was hard to see that I hurt somebody that means so much to me, but at the end there was healing and I was able to make right the wrongs of two weeks ago. But it just goes to show, I'm always in the work. I'm, right. I'm so far from, the, the more I learn, the more I realize how much I don't know.
0: <laughs> and being
1: <laughs> in relationships, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity to hold up a mirror to us. Um, and I, I wanna, It's important I share that with the audience because this is vulnerability. I'm not perfect. I'm still messing up a lot. And, um, you know, I share this with my coaching clients, I'm not perfect. And I don't want to come across as somebody who has it all figured out. And it was an opportunity for me to clean up a mess, an opportunity to learn and grow. Um, and I'm just grateful that my girlfriend, that we were able to have hold space for each other to work it out and talk through it, because that's not something I used to do.
0: Yeah. No, it's amazing. And, and I think that that's beautiful and courageous of you and something I would encourage others. I do it myself. I mean, I mess up every day. My goal is to, my intention is to learn from it and do better the next time. Cause mm. I got, I've got to make space for new message, right? Yeah. And so learn from it, do better. You know, that's just kind of a constant in life and you know, you don't need to beat yourself up for it. You just like, I think it's great that you guys had that conversation. I mean, that's, thank you for sharing that. All right. So we have a little bit more time, just a few more minutes. I want to, well, I want you to tell us what a typical day with Andrew is oh, like, boy. you know, what, what fills you up and, and kind of just, you talked a little bit already about your mindset and how you start your day, but mm-hmm. what's a typical day?
1: look like? Um, okay. So the, this is, I'm glad you asked because, you know, a morning routine, win the morning, win the day um my morning routine to get into my flow, to get into a flow state where I'm vibing and, and shining bright. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And it's the prayer meditation that's how it starts. Um, it's um gratitude list, three things I'm grateful for, three action steps I'm gonna take throughout the day that move me closer to my goals. Um, three people that I reach out to via text message, FaceTime, phone call, send them love and light. So that connection piece. So there's connection with me and my higher power, which I call God. And then there's connection with other people. There's making my bed because small hinges swing big doors. There's something about making my bed where there's a sense of accomplishment and self-esteem. My self-esteem comes from doing esteemable acts. I feel good when I make my bed. Plus when there's less physical clutter, there's less mental and emotional clutter. I take a cold shower. It helps build my confidence that if I can take a minute cold shower, I can do anything. Just Another Wim Hof thing.
0: Wim coming in here. What's that? Yeah. Wim Hof. Yeah. Yep,
1: that's where I got it. But like making my bed, cold shower. These are things that give me self confidence that I can. I'm stacking positive momentum, um, and then there's mindful movement, whether that's yoga, going for a run doing some kind of hit class, high intensity, cycling, whatever your jam is, mindful movement, moving our bodies, moving stuck energy, especially with COVID-19. Um, it's so important to move our body. They say our issues are in our tissues. So that mindful movement is so important for my daily routine, my, to get into that flow. Um, I read a couple of different um, uplifting, spiritual, inspiring pieces of literature. Um, Marianne Williamson, the year of miracles. It's a daily devotional, um, that she's probably one of my favorites. Rolf Gates has another one, um, that, um, just getting inspiring messages into my brain to, to start the day with something. One thing I don't do is I don't grab this. I don't grab my phone. I stay away from the phone. Um, but some kind of inspiring literature that gets me in the right positive mindset. Um, those are the things I do to start the day to get into the flow. Uh, getting outside in nature, 30 minutes is a non-negotiable, going for a walk, um, some kind of outdoor. I used to be going to the beach until they closed the beaches, but spending 30 minutes outside. Um, you know, Coaching clients, they fill me up. Um, you know, I work with coaching clients one-on-one, um, a couple of them every day. So spending one hour getting the opportunity to transform their mind, body, and spirit so they can have a positive impact in the world and be the best version of themselves, that brings me joy and meaning. Um, seeing my help of empowering others to transform their own life and helping give them the tools to vibrate high and shine bright and be that change. That fills me up more than anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I love that
0: when I teach classes uh, or work with clients myself or even motivational speaking, whatever it is, I get so much inspiration, probably more. I don't know. I hope that I'm inspiring others, but I get inspired.
1: Yeah. And I had uh, a coaching client today. She's from Russia, and her perspective, I just, I, I learn more from her than I think she does from me sometimes. And she was sharing about her grandfather who fought in World War II um, for the Russians and saw the worst stuff, you know, that we, we can't even imagine. And how positive her grandfather was and the, the values that her grandfather instilled in her that now she can carry on. And hearing her talk about her grandfather who had every right to live a life of not Positive, inspiring, empowering, nurturing, who saw things that we can't imagine. But he chose, goes back to that choice of the freedom that we have in every moment. He chose to live his life and pass on the values to his family of uh, kindness and compassion and love. Mm -hmm. And hearing her tell me that today during our one on one session that's the stuff that fills me up. That's the stuff. That's why I do what I do.
0: Yeah. I love that. Okay, so you may have already hit on this a little bit. I'm going to ask you a question and then I want you to tell us about your podcast. Okay. I want to make sure people go and check you out and obviously I'll list um, the links and whatnot for you, but what three things would you tell someone who feels no hope? Someone who feels that they're doomed for a joyless life? Mm. And, and maybe a couple of techniques, which I think you've already shared some techniques, but just what three key things would be, uh, Would you tell someone?
1: I would say start a gratitude list. Write three things down every morning that you're grateful for. And if you don't think you can find three, I look around, if, read the news. There's, if you're breathing, you have life and you have purpose. If you have a breath, I really believe that you're here for a reason. So start writing three things you're grateful for. Even if you can't go within yourself, friends, family, your health, uh, living in wherever you live. If you have food in your fridge, roof over your head, a car to drive, if you have money to pay bills, if you have those necessities, you are doing better than most people in the world. Mm-hmm. So, and there's, there's science that as we write down things that we're grateful for, we're building Healthy positive habits. You're literally rewiring your chemistry in your brain by writing down things that you're grateful for. 21 days on average, they say you can build a new habit. So by writing down things that you're grateful for, you're rewiring your your uh, chemistry in your brain. That that's a great start, and you'll see more things to be grateful for. Maybe more things to be joyful for. Um, I would say. Find somebody that needs help to go be of service to somebody less fortunate. Um, with COVID-19, it's a little bit more challenging, but go volunteer your time, donate food, um, support a local charity, go support a local restaurant who's doing takeout because that small owner, your contribution to buying their food could be the difference of them making it or not making it. That's your way of being of service. That would be a second way. Um, and get outside, go walk, get fresh air for 30 minutes. See what that does.
0: I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay. So tell us about your podcast and how we can reach you. And then after that, we'll end a little meditation.
1: All right. Uh, Positive Impact with Andrew Schultz. Um, it's on every platform, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcast. Um, easiest way is to go to my website, andrewschultzyoga.com, A-N-D-R-E-W-S-C-H-U-L-T-Z-Yoga.com. Um, my podcast is there. All you do is click on the button. It takes you right to the platform. There's uh, 60 plus episodes. Um, I've been doing it for a couple of years now. Um, thousands of downloads. Uh, we just reached 47 countries
0: nice. worldwide
1: and uh it's um every week messages or people who are having a positive impact in the community um, a chance to amplify the message of people who are doing good uh, helping others doing meaningful work that matters obviously with the 24 7 news cycle um, the doom and gloom the chaos that we see every time we look at the phone or the news. I did it because I wanted to put more positive content out there for people to listen to, to inspire them, to bring them hope, whether it's 15 minutes on your lunch break, in traffic, uh, sitting in your car, um, just something to tune into that is inspiring, uplifting. And um, I've had some really rad, awesome guests on, and I'm looking forward to to bring in more guests on Um, we talk about spirituality. We talk about um, sobriety. We talk about wellness. We talk about um, things that I think people need, mindfulness tools and practices like that values exercise tools and practices that people can apply in their everyday life that help make them a little bit better um, to have a positive impact.
0: I love that. I went on a run this morning, actually ran, down to Cardiff and back. And I love to listen to podcasts while I'm running now. I used to not do that, except I do take the earbuds out when I can hear the ocean. Mm-hmm. I want to hear that. Yeah. But I love getting inspiration and yours is one that I've started listening to. So thank you for that.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, um, it brings me joy and it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a way to be of service every week. I don't make any money from it. It's just a way of amplifying the message of, um, people who are doing really cool things that are having a positive impact in the world and tools that we talked about on this podcast that I've learned that I want to share with others, um, to bring more hope and positivity, uh, especially now when we need it the most.
0: Yeah. You know, I can't help but ask you, are, are you working on a book? <laughs> uh,
1: it's in I the works. We need yes. it.
0: I think we need it. Yes. yes.
1: It's in the works. And, um, yeah, especially uh, people in the recovery community. There's just hope. People are in so much despair and um, people from all walks of life. It's not just recovery because, like I said, people are struggling with everything, with health and finances and divorce and jobs. Everybody's struggling with something. So um, it's applicable to people from all walks of life. Just people want to have some tools and practices that help them um, not just survive but thrive to meet calamity with serenity uh to go from that darkness to the light and it is a choice that we all have in every moment and i really believe that
0: yeah uh, yeah absolutely so facebook is slash at
1: awschultz14
0: okay facebook
1: and instagram
0: and instagram okay Perfect, perfect. All right. Well, I want to thank you, but uh, I want to end. And uh, I mentioned this before, and I'm so glad you agreed to do this. But take us through just a little bit of a little meditation and set the tone for the rest of our day, if not week.
1: Okay, this is a loving kindness meditation. Um, It's from uh, it's Buddhism, and this is something that I do every night before I go to bed. So I'm going to ask everybody to just close your eyes. If you're driving pause it. You can do this later. Um, Just close your eyes and bring one hand to your heart, one hand to your stomach. (sighs) Feeling the support of the earth underneath you, sitting tall. Just notice the breath flow in and out. Nothing to force. And then you're going to silently repeat these words to yourself. May I be free. May I be happy. May I live with love. May I live with joy. May I live with peace. May I live with ease. Now you're gonna think of somebody in your life who you love very much, a friend or family member Maybe this person is no longer with us physically, but they're with us in spirit. Hold this person up in front of you and silently say to this person, may you be free. May you be happy. May you live with love. May you live with joy. May you live with peace. May you live at ease. Now I want you to think of another person in your life who you feel neutral towards. Not positive, not negative, just neutral. Maybe it's the barista at the coffee shop or a high school classmate that you haven't talked to in years and years. Picture this person, hold them up in front of you and silently say to this person, may you be free, may you be happy, may you live with love, may you live with joy, may you live with peace, may you live with ease. And then finally, think of another person in your life who you struggle with. Maybe there's resentment, animosity, anger. Knowing this person is also a child of God, doing the best they can with what they have. Hold this person up in front of you and silently say to this person, may you be free, may you be happy. May you live with love. May you live with joy. May you live with peace. May you live with ease. And then sealing in this loving kindness meditation, take one more big breath in through your nose, plant that intention like a seed into the rich fertile soil of your heart. And then exhale, release, let it all go. Come back to the room. So that loving kindness meditation that we just did is always available to the audience. And it's important that we start with that loving kindness to ourself first. It's like the oxygen mask on the airplane we give that love and kindness and compassion to ourselves first and then we can give it to other people
0: wow so powerful thank you mm-hmm. so much Warm. and i just i want to thank you i uh, just for everything for being here today um i thank god for bringing us together i i love this connection and i feel that we're definitely going to help others together. I love that. And I also love your hat. I think it's made with love. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, dig it. I dig it. So yeah. Andrew, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation and uh, namaste.
0: Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to message me, please go to my website, kiraoliver.com, and send me a message. You can also find me on Facebook at Kira Oliver and on Instagram at Kira Oliver. Thanks, guys. And don't forget to go pick up a copy of my book, Eight Ways of Being, How to Motivate Yourself to Live Happy and Free, every day. It's on Amazon. Check it out. Share this podcast. Thank you. Ciao.